0: You've been standing for a while, so I'll let you uh, bow your head with me as we pray. If you need to look up to the screen instead, but will you pray the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to read that also from the New Living Translation. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's a sixth and final look at the Lord's Prayer in the series we've been, we've been doing where we've said, Lord, teach us to pray. Had a, just a couple of great challenges the last couple of weeks. And, um, we're finally uh, kind of at the end. We, we began by petitioning uh, after you know bringing our 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 acknowledgement of God as our Father, we, we began to, to, pitch, to petition the Lord that His name would be honored as holy, and that His kingdom would come, His His way of doing things, his, his 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 governance would come among us, that His will would be done here on earth as it's already done in heaven. We admitted our need for God by by asking for the simple sustenance. Of daily bread, I, I, as Pastor Joe White said a couple of weeks, a loaf of bread's pretty small. That's all we're asking for, just for the next 24 hours. And then we petition the Lord for His forgiveness, even as we forgive others. I think for many, that forgiveness piece is is the hardest. I got some feedback this week from some of you that that this is just too hard. I think Pastor Stephen did a great job for us last week, reminding us that that we don't forgive for the benefit of others, but we forgive for our own freedom. And, and we pray this not because we're so good at forgiving, but because it's hard to forgive, and that's why we need God's help to do that. I want to remind you, in case you weren't here last Sunday, that forgiveness is costly. It's expensive. Anytime a debt is released, and then that's what forgiveness is, it's releasing debt, letting go of what someone owes, Right? Any time there's a release of debt, there's a cost to that. If someone says, never mind, you don't have to pay me back the $100 you borrowed. Someone still is paying for that $100. Right? So there's a releasing of that debt. And you may have been wronged by somebody, which was bad enough. But then to be forgiven and free in Christ, I need to pay the price of releasing that debt. I need to pay the price of extending forgiveness. And it's not fair. And it might even be hard. It's your only path to, f- to real freedom. As you heard last Sunday. Forgiveness is not condoning what happened to you. There's no such thing as forgive and forget. In the sense of, you know, if you could forget. You probably wouldn't need to forgive in the first place. But forgiveness says, God, I'm going to get out of the way. And let you do justice because you show mercy to me and you've already forgiven me of my rebellion against you. And Stephen did a great job with that last week. Some of you missed that. And it continues to be a struggle for Psalms. So I kind of wanted to refresh that for you. But now, in the context of the fresh forgiveness we've received from God, we have one last prayer request. And that's this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or as the New Living Translation Puts it And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Of course, there's the country song version of that, which you might be familiar with. Lead me not into temptation, I can find it all by myself. Now, there's nothing new about this prayer. Psalm 1. 41, we have that on screen, in Psalm 141, King David prayed this. He said, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. In other words, lead me not into temptation. Right? But there is a problem with this prayer request. Something about it feels a little bit off. Asking God not to lead us into temptation? What? Why would he do that? James, one of the the great leaders of the early church, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, back in the first century, he wrote this in in his letter. We read this in the Bible. James 1.13 says, And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God's never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Well, what do we do with that? I mean, Jesus is just saying, teaching us to pray that God won't tempt me. You, you could write this down. If you're taking notes or if you've got your bulletin outline today, write this. God is not a tempter. God is not a tempter. God doesn't tempt you. And yet we have this prayer request. Why would we pray? Lead us not into temptation if God does not tempt us. Bible commentators, honestly, they struggle with this phrase. They, they tend to kind of gloss over it in their commentaries. They, they don't want to deal with it. They, they'll, they'll say, well, some really make a big deal of telling you that the word for temptation is the same word for trial, uh, which is, which or test, which is true. That That is, it doesn't mean that. So some say, well, he's just saying, lead us not into testing. Well, James also said, just a few verses earlier in, in chapter 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Well, that's telling me that those trials are actually good for me. So, Jesus would not teach us to pray against something that's good for us. But nor is he suggesting that God could tempt us. So, what do we do with that? This is a, well, it's one of these hard things that Jesus says. It's difficult to understand. God's not a tempter. But having been forgiven, get this. Having been forgiven, we might be just arrogant enough to think, I got this, I can do this on my own. I can handle the place of temptation now because God's forgiven me and I, 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 I'm I strong enough. I'm strong enough. And we might think we can handle those tempting situations. And we all know how that ends because we've done that. We stumble and we fall. I mean, think about any time you, you, you just said, I, I'm going to eat am From today, I'm going to eat right. I am going to eat proper and good. Right? Saturday, you were good. You had... Low carbs for breakfast. You had a salad for lunch. You didn't overdo it at dinner. And you even said no to dessert. You're like, day one, I am awesome. Right? Sunday morning, you just had oatmeal for breakfast with just a little bit of brown sugar. Some blueberries. You're like, man, I am so on this. And you walk into church and it's donut day. And you're like, God, you guys are leading me into temptation. That always seems to happen. See, Jesus knew what he was talking about. Temptation is dreadful. In uh, chapter 4 of Matthew, we have the whole episode, Jesus has been baptized. And then this is what it says in chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, right? That's the Holy Spirit of God. He was led by God into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted there by the devil. Jesus knew what it was like to be tempted. It was, it was awful. It was, it was horrible. It was a t- terrible experience. You never want to challenge the devil to a temptation showdown. You never want to say, bring it. Bring it. Devil, I got this. I can handle this. Bring it. Bring your worst. No, no, don't do that. Do not do that. And we are saying, lead me not to that place, Lord. Don't let me be so arrogant and so proud that I would think, I got this. I think the New Living Translation is excellent here. When it says, don't let us yield, give in to temptation. What am I really saying when I pray this prayer request? I'm saying that I do not have the strength on my own to resist a temptation to sin. I am, what am I doing? I'm admitting my weakness before God. God, I am, I am weak. I am weak. Right, it's that we just sang that song. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take it, seal it, seal it for your courts above. And if you know the the story of that song, the the writer of that hymn, it's a it's a sad story. His story at the end of his life, he fell away from the Lord. He turned he turned away from his faith. That was somewhat prophetic, prone to wonder. We have weaknesses. And this prayer, if you're you're taking notes, you can write this one down. This prayer request is a humble admission of our weakness. It's a humble admission of our weakness. We, We have got to stop giving God the blame for trials and temptations. And instead, we need to become more dependent on Him to help us. In those times, it's true. God, God allows us to experience difficulty, but God is with us in those things. He's not the one causing them. He's not the one causing them. Somehow, God, in His marvelous way, has a way of allowing us to experience things that are hard but it's for our benefit. It's a, it's a long-standing biblical principle. What the devil means for harm, God uses for good. Let me divert just for a moment. I don't often make movie recommendations, but if you can handle it, it's gruesome and it's gory, but there's a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. It is the story of a young um, Seventh-day Adventist uh, pacifist who goes into battle World War II as a, as a medic. And he suffers greatly getting there for his faith. He's persecuted for his faith. But in the end, he serves and saves many lives. And all along, you know, you have this story, you, you, people are trying to convince him to do otherwise. He could say, this is too hard, this is too hard. But he has kind of that sense of call in his life. And so he's obedient, even in the midst of great, great danger. It's easy to say, God, you're doing this to me. But that's not the truth. You need to reject the popular, there's a really popular saying, right? God never gives you more than you can handle. We've all heard that. We've probably said it. We put it on our Facebook pages. It might even hang on the wall of your kitchen. I don't know. God never gives you more than you can handle. We love that saying, but it's not true. It's garbage. It's bad theology. It's it's a cliche that's based on a misunderstanding of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, which says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And you may have memorized it. There is no temptation that is overcoming such as is common to man. Okay? No different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. But that doesn't mean that temptation comes from God. God's not giving you that temptation. He's just going to... He's just going to hold you to a place where it's not overwhelming. Because when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. I wish that verse said so that when you're tempted, God just takes the temptation away. Just makes it easy for you. Just makes a smooth path. If you struggle with smoking, suddenly all your, all your desire for cigarettes is gone. If you struggle with pornography, suddenly you're just not interested anymore. If you struggle with overeating, suddenly you just lose all your appetite. I wish it said that. But it doesn't. It says, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you may endure. God's not giving you temptations. He knows your weaknesses. And he's the one providing a way of, hey, let me help you out of this. Hey, there's a side door. Hit the crash bar and get out. Who cares if the alarm sounds? Just get out. Right? Lots of things we face are more than we can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. Stop it. Stop giving God the blame for those things. He gives you a way of escape. But you've got to be paying attention to Him to see it and follow it. You've got to be in a relationship with God so you recognize when that way of escape is given to you. Now here's the, here's the, the thing that, that, that I noticed about this passage. We focus on this word temptation. Lead me not into temptation. right? The word that we are missing is the, the first word. Lead. Lead us not into temptation. There's an assumption here that you're allowing the Lord to lead you, to guide you, to take you places. After all, that's what it means to call Jesus Lord. Lord means leader of your life, of your whole life. If Jesus is my Lord, that means I follow him as leader of my life, not just not just doing good Christian activity between nine and noon on a Sunday morning. Right. It means if Jesus is my Lord, the leader of my life, it means I'm putting some effort into figuring out how to listen for his voice. Watching for his direction, pursuing him so that the fruit of the spirit is growing and maturing in your life. You all know it's a life. Long walk, right? Can you say that there is more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in your life than there was a year ago or ten years ago? Is that fruit maturing in your life? If it is, I would say you are following Jesus as the leader of your life. None of us does it perfectly, but we are on that path. You do that with Learning to know this book. Being in a small group or a place we can have some good spiritual friendships. we are not so isolated. You've got a place where you can open up. Learning how to pray. Saying, I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's funny, you know, if my, if my kids came and said the same thing to me every single day, I'd be like, really guys, could you not be more creative than that? But there's something about the Lord's Prayer. It's a great starting point. Even if you just began with that every day, to reflectively pray the Lord's Prayer. By the way, I've got some more bookmarks, some a handful left. If you didn't get one when we distributed those, or you want to give one away, just get some from me. I'll have them here at the front after the service. When you pray, lead me not into temptation, you're making a commitment that Jesus is, in fact, your leader. See, God's grace is overwhelming and it's abundant And he does not stop forgiving us just because we sinned yet again for the millionth time. Right? But this prayer means I'm asking God to point me in a better direction. To, to point me in a direction for my life that, that's good for me and in a direction that I, that I, that I can't do on my own. I need him to steer me there. Lord, lead me in a better way. You're saying, God, steer me away from temptation. Don't, don't let me walk by the donut table. Right? Maybe you need to ask, that's those, those moments that you need to say to somebody, don't let me go by the donut table today. If that's really what you're saying. Besides, you should leave a couple extra for your pastor. And, um, (laughs) Lord, help me change my habits so that I don't stay in sin. In no way are we suggesting that God could or would lead us into temptation. We're simply admitting that we're in trouble if he did. Let me say that again. In no way are we suggesting that God could or would lead us into temptation. We're simply admitting that we'd be in trouble if he did. We're not strong enough. We've got to be able to say, God, I, I'm, I have weakness in my life. I'm not strong enough. Now, the second phrase finishes... The request. Your old um, King James version says, Deliver us from evil, but a better translation, most current translations say, Deliver us from the evil one. Has to do with pronouns and masculine uh, uh, versions in the Greek. Anyway, never mind. It doesn't help us really to go into the grammar of it. Deliver us from the evil one. Evil is not an impersonal force, right? Even though we're. Perpetually surrounded by it. We already made some reference to it today, but terrible things happen. People get attacked on on trains that happened in Portland yesterday. ISIS soldiers brutalize Christians in horrific ways. Cancer ravages our loved ones for no good reason. All of that is evil. That's the work of evil. But it's not simply an impersonal force. The devil, Satan, called the evil one, is real. And he has real power in this world. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. Anything that comes to steal, to kill and destroy in your life, in your world, is a work of the evil one. It's a work of the devil. He's a thief. He's a liar. And and that's what he comes to do. Ephesians chapter two, verse two says it this way. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. It's a pretty strong, high up position, isn't it? He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. We're not dealing, like I say, with an impersonal force. Some internal yin and yang battle of good versus evil. This is not Star Wars with a a light side and a dark side, but it's all part of the force. It's not what we're talking about here. The evil one is real and he's scheming and he's deliberate and he seeks to destroy you. And he seeks to do that so that he can mock God and he can slander your Heavenly Father's holy name. And he can steal God's glory because that's what he's always been about. That's what the evil one is trying to do. Martin Luther wrote. Uh, it's a great hymn. Um, uh, a Mighty Fortress is Our God. Martin Luther wrote these words. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft And power are great. And armed with cruel hate, on earth is not His equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. He goes on to speak of Jesus Christ. We need deliverance because we have a real foe. To say, And deliver us from the evil one. That's a real prayer request. To borrow a common cliche, we could say it this way. You can write this one down too. It's one of your notes. The prayer for deliverance is an admission that the struggle is real. The prayer for deliverance is an admission that the struggle is real. I I don't know if you realize this. You don't simply have some bad days in your life. Yes, we have bad days, and, and, and that's true. But it's not just that simple. We don't simply have bad days. There is a real enemy out to destroy you. He's out to destroy your relationships, your marriage, your finances, your health, your family, your your the work of your hands. He's out to destroy your church. He's out to destroy everything. And it's not even that he's so much is worried about you. It's not that you're such a great threat to him. He just knows that when we sin, we suffer some brokenness in our relationship with God, some separation from God in our sin, and God's name and fame suffers as a result. You, you hear of a, of a Christian, a public Christian, who, who falls in a terrible way, and you think, oh, man, that person, I knew it. I just knew they were just a charlatan or whatever. What you don't realize is the devil is laughing all the way to the bank. Because what happened? You say, well, if that's a Christian, I want no part of it. The devil was, just what I schemed to do. Think of it this way. When, I, when my sons hurt, I hurt. When my, when my sons struggle with something, I feel it. Any of you who's been a parent, you know that... You know that very, very real. And that doesn't actually end, does it? It doesn't stop when they're 12 or 15 or 25 or 45. You watch them go through something and you want to you rescue them. You want to step in and fix it and help them. And quite simply, when the evil one misleads and harms the father's children, our heavenly father feels the pain. But even God's kids, here's the, here's the hard part about it, even God's kids who struggle, who are hurting, maybe they're grappling with depression or anxiety or, or financial trouble or relationship woes. They can't be rescued until they ask for help. Deliver us from the evil one. How God's going to do that deliverance is a whole variety of ways. It might be through a, a small group of church. It might be through... AA that meets in the resource building of our place. It might be through a conversation you have with a friend at, at, at Women's Bible Study. It might be in a, in a song you sing when you gather on a Sunday morning. It might be a, an email or, or message you get from a friend. Who knows, in some way, God's going to use something to deliver you. A book that you read. A, 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 a message you hear on the radio. I don't know what it's going to be, but God can do that. But you've got to ask. You've got to ask. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. And we don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid of the evil one because God is the deliverer. That's been God's business for all of human history. For Here's how it goes. First, the evil one tempts us, seeks to destroy us, and then we either fall or or, or recognize that we're falling or recognize that we're about to fall. And so we cry out and say, God, deliver us from the evil one. And he comes in as deliverer. Or this, you feel really alone these days and the enemy says, you're broken, you're deficient, you're a failure. You can't do it. You're not a good enough Christian. You don't pray very good. God doesn't hear you anyway. The Bible's not real and the church doesn't even care about you. And it goes on and on, and he just heaps all this stuff on you. One of his names, after all, is the accuser. He's also the father of lies. Lying is his native language. He reminds you of your failings and all the broken promises you've made to God. And he convinces you even to despise your own body. You ever been through that? I just hate myself. And then he teaches you to distrust the people around you. And you could, you could choose to believe all of his lies. And the devil would love that very much. Or you could stop and you could pray, Father, lead me not into temptation and failings, don't let me fall for the lies of the enemy, but deliver me, rescue me from the evil one. God loves to rescue. He's a rescuer. He's a deliverer. And because Jesus is your leader, you then commit to take the steps on the path, that way of escape that he's giving you. Friends, I think you and I are kind of on the same page on this one. I sin. I fail. I blow it. We all do. Oh, I say bad words. I have bad attitudes. I think things I shouldn't think. Right? According to the Bible, I'm a saint, but I still sin. I'm simply not strong enough on my own. But it's not God who tempts me. I'm not giving blame to God for what the devil does. That, That temptation comes... From the world around me. Comes from my own flesh. It says in James chapter 1. Comes from my own self. Comes from the devil. God is not the tempter. He's your deliverer. And when we say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. We're just simply admitting, admitting we need him. We need his leadership away from those slimy pits that entrap us. And to say, deliver us from the evil one means... We're getting wise to the attacks of the enemy. Listen, if you feel like you're struggling in your life, I've got to tell you something. It's not that you're not trying hard enough. Some of you've been told all your life, well, you just gotta try harder, you just gotta pray more, just gotta really like just really believe more. Some of you are trying all of that and you're still struggling. You need to know you have a real enemy the prince of darkness, the prince of worldly and demonic powers. He's your enemy and we are asking God for deliverance. God deliver me from the evil one. How do you respond to all this? What do you do with this? Well, are you willing to admit you need help? Are you willing to admit you don't you're not strong enough to just just muscle up and live a good Christian life? Friends, That's going to end in failure. It's not in you to do that. You're not strong enough. You've got to be able to say, God, I do not have what it takes without you. I recognize my weaknesses. And so, Lord, leave me not into temptation. You're not accusing him that he will. You're just admitting that if he did, he'd be a mess. Look, we're kind of all a mess as it is, so let's just get that out of the way. Saying, God, don't don't let me go there. But instead, deliver me from the evil one. It's acknowledging I'm weak. It's recognizing there's a real enemy. And it's turning to God as our deliverer. He alone is your deliverer. You're not your own deliverer. You can try. Lots of people spend their whole life thinking, I've got this myself. You ask them, hey, do you think you're going to go to heaven? Yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't killed anybody yet. And, um, it, well, you can try to be your own deliverer. Or you can say, God, you are my deliverer. Do you desire to follow Jesus as Lord, leader, and not just Jesus as a Sunday buddy, right? That's, that's, that happens a lot. Can you, can you come to count on your own identity as righteous in Christ? The Bible teaches that in Christ you are righteous, made right with God, and then die to self, die to your own way of doing things, and instead do things God's way. And trust me, I'm not there yet. I have not achieved perfection. That's not going to happen until we meet Jesus. So I'm not wanting to be on any sort of high horse. I'm just saying, we're all in this together. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer? God, we... I'm just really grateful that You've given us this... Prayer from Jesus. And I still say, God, I need you to teach me to pray. And I thank you for all these things. God, to, to be able to call you Father, that's that's miraculous enough. And, and and to to say your name be holy and your your kingdom come, your will be done. God, we just we just want to be on board with all that. We want your way of Getting things done to be what happens. Lord, we recognize that we have daily needs. And we just say, Give us our daily bread today. And forgive us, Lord, as even as even we've forgiven those who've sinned against us. And now we say, God, would you lead us not to temptation? Lead us away. Lord Lord, take us take us. A, a wide path around the donut table, whatever that is for us in our life. To, to find that way of escape and to be able to say, deliver us, God, from the evil one and all his schemes and his attacks. We thank you that you are our deliverer. And God, we, we desire to follow you as Lord, as leader, It's commander of our life. We do. We need you, Lord. I thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your grace that is endless for us. Jesus, we thank you. Church, would you stand with me as we pray that prayer together one last time?